Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. As of August 2nd, we have resumed in-person worship services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are committed to the health and safety of our families and will continue to offer our simultaneous live stream at youtube.com slash area 10 faith community. We hope you'll join us at the Bird Theater again soon, but in the meantime, we're providing the best possible online experience we can for you. Now, on to this week's message. Hey, good morning. How are you guys? Good, good to see you. Did Brendan just pray that I would be eloquent? I think he did. I think he did. I, no one's ever accused me of that, so I don't know. Uh, I'll see what I can do. That, that just feels like pressure now. I'm like, I just want to spit a few things out and hope we get through this. I don't know, but I'll shoot for eloquent. We'll see what I can do. Uh, I do want to talk to you about so, uh, something that's actually a really big deal, and it is basically the meaning of life. What is, what is life all about? What what track are you on? What is the meaning and purpose of your life? How are you spending it? Where, um, what, what are you doing here with the little bit of time that you have on earth? Now, that's a big topic maybe for a, a Sunday morning, but I think it's actually an important one because, and, and I think it's one that we think about from time to time. We wonder if we're doing it right. We wonder if we're, we're, if we're living our lives maybe the right way or a good way. Um, we wonder what the meaning of our lives is all about. Now, we don't think about it all the time, most of your life you go through, you're sort of paying rent and you're, you're kind of doing the next thing and trying to get that job and make that dollar and kind of get through. And you don't always think about the meaning or purpose of your life. You, you don't think about that until you've like binge watched all the Netflix and you're kind of sitting there on your sofa over a tub of empty ice cream and you start going like, what is the point of all this? What is the meaning? Or maybe you, you, you experience something hard. You go to a funeral and I think funerals are actually really good for this because they kind of shake us awake and, and, and sort of point to, hey, there's something going on in life because this is a reminder that it's going to end. And so there's this, this moment, maybe you have at a funeral where you go, what is the meaning of this? And, and maybe even if someone lived a good long life and then died at an old age, you still look at their life and you go, what was the meaning of their life? And then you start reflecting on your own, what is the meaning of, of my life? That kind of question has shown up not just for us in, in, in our modern day, but it's shown up all throughout history, all cultures. They've asked this question of, about our existence. In fact, the philosopher Heidegger pointed out that mankind, humans are distinguished from all other creatures by their capacity to put their own existence into question. They are creatures for whom existence as such, not just particular features of it, is problematic. What is he saying? He's saying that, hey, look, dogs, elephants, giraffes, these things don't worry about their existence. Humans do. We sit there and go, what am I doing? What, what is the point of my life? What is my meaning here? And we have something the rest of the animal kingdom doesn't have. We have like this existential angst. Our very existence is problematic. And we're trying to figure out what it's all about and, and what we're doing here. What is the meaning of life? Now, that question has been answered in, in many different ways throughout history. If you go back to the ancient world, they're asking that question in different ways. And, and different people had some really good answers to that question. One of them was Aristotle. You've probably heard of Aristotle, one of the most famous philosophers of all time. Here's what he said life is about. He says, happiness is the meaning and purpose of life, the whole aim and end of human existence. So all of this Greek philosophy, this Greek thought, he's summing it all up and saying the main and the meaning and purpose of life is happiness. 
That's where he goes. Now that idea gets picked up in, in Greek thought by a group of philosophers known as the Epicureans. And their, their deal was, look, life's hard. How do you respond to a hard life? Well, we respond to it by just pursuing happiness. Do what's fun. Do what feels good. Um, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That's not just an old Dave Matthews song lyric. It is an ancient slogan about life. This is what life is about. We're supposed to just enjoy things. Happiness should be our highest good. That is the Epicurean idea. And you see that. You actually see that trickle its way all the way into modern day. The, the idea of the pursuit of happiness is written into our country's founding documents. So we're all about this philosophy. Like, hey, you should just enjoy things. Pleasure is to be pursued. But there was another answer to the meaning of life in, in the ancient world that carries through to the modern day. And this came from potentially originated from a guy named Zeno in the year 280 BC. And it's the philosophy known as Stoicism. The Stoics were different than the Epicureans. They, they looked at the same suffering in life, and they said that the point of life is not to be happy, but the point of life is to bear up under the suffering and to find dignity and purpose and, uh, and, and, and orderliness and, and, and these sorts of things like pride and, and build character and, and things like that. And so the Stoics looked at the world around them and said, the suffering is going to make me stronger and I'm going to become, you know, more of a good person, that kind of thing. And that was the, the Stoic view that the suffering is supposed to shape you. That was picked up in our more modern day. You may have heard of Ralph Waldo Emerson. Listen to what he says about the meaning and purpose of life. He says this, the purpose of life is not to be happy. Sorry, Aristotle. It is to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you have lived and lived well. Now, there's part of that that I definitely resonate, and you probably do too. You go like, yeah, maybe it's not just, I mean, it's not that shallow, like, go trace pleasure and be happy thing. The meaning of life has to do with something uh, about, about pursuing gr the greater good and, and living a life and, and living it well. Um, this is, a, this is a, a more of a, a modern answer, maybe a little bit of a stoic answer to the question of meaning. And I think this question is important, especially in this year of COVID, because our plans have gone awry. Whatever your 2020 plan was, it's different now. And when things go awry, when organizations, when individuals, when, you're, when your stuff kind of goes off the, off the rails, uh, you, you start thinking deeply about, okay, what, what was I trying to do anyway? What was the meaning? What was the purpose of this? We, we've seen a lot of things get thrown into question. We've seen lives being shortened, sometimes tragically shortened this year. And we sort of go, what is the meaning behind all of this? What is the point of us even being here? Now, if I were to look, look out across our country and go, what do most people think the point of life is? I think you'd have to conclude, and maybe I'm off base on this, but I think you'd have to conclude that most people in this country right now think the point of life is to be safe. The point of life is to be safe. Safety is the jam. It's like the order of the day. You have to be safe. How often do you hear, well, just be safe. All right, be safe out there. Hey, make sure you're safe. Everybody from your mom on down, like everybody in society is asking and wishing you to be safe. The TV, commercials, uh, the bus that you ride around town, everything's telling you that safety is where it's at. And you think you would conclude, it, by listening to that in our culture, you would sort of conclude, oh, I think safety's like their favorite thing. Like we pray to God for safety, we wish for safety for one another. It, it is the thing, especially this year, I've, I've heard it more than maybe ever before. But if you think about it, that's a weird thing to make your life about, about being safe. 
is life the avoidance of death? Is that what it is? Is life all about the meaning and purpose of my life is to be safe? I don't think that works. To quote Jim Morrison from The Doors, no one here gets out alive. All of us are going to die, and I, I've, not, I've not died yet. That should be obvious, but I think that when I get there, it's going to feel a little bit unsafe to me. You know what I mean? I don't, because I, I think that this is going to end for all of us. And when you get to that point, you, you know, are you, is your last thought before you die like, oh, I should have been safer? Probably not. Probably not. Like, we're all, it all ends that way for us. So the point of life can't be, let me just uh, make things as safe as possible. So I want to talk about what is the, the meaning of our lives. And, and when you talk about meaning, we're really talking about two things. Number one, what is the purpose behind something. So if I said, did you mean to hit your sister? What I'm asking is, what is the purpose of your actions? You, 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 you hurt her. What was the purpose of that? What were you trying to accomplish? So meaning in part means purpose. And then meaning also means significance. So if you're wearing a medal, I say, what's the meaning of that medal? And you go, oh, this is a medal that I got for, for courage in battle. Okay, that metal, that thing, the meaning of it, it signifies something greater. So meaning is purpose, and it's also significance. It's what is it for, and it is what does it signify that is greater than itself? What is the larger story that the thing tells? And the truth is, that stuff really matters. And if you track our culture, we're all over the place on this. We're all over the place on what is meaningful, what is purposeful, what is significant, um, Sure, we'll say things like, oh, you should be happy, or we should be kind to one another, or when people die, we say well, they're going to a better place, and we, we kind of we offer some niceties and platitudes, and, and, and we say some things, but we don't really say them with a lot of conviction, I don't think, and, and we don't really know. We're just kind of trying to grasp a few things to, to make some meaning out of the time that we have here on earth. And so I think the truth of all of this is that meaning really does matter, and it's important. And it's important for us psychologically. Uh, a writer named Atul Gawande uh, talk, wrote about um, uh, doctors that had, had, had been working in a, in a retirement home, and, and they, they had had these, these folks who were living out the, the last years of their lives, or living in this retirement home, and one of the doctors decided to do an experiment and basically brought in a bunch of animals into the retirement home, brought in you know, parakeets and dogs and whatever, and kind of gave them to the residents to have in this, in this home. Uh, and it was fascinating what happens to them afterwards. Let me just read you a quote from it. It says, the residents began to wake up and come to life. People who had been completely withdrawn and non-ambulatory started coming to nurses' stations and saying, I'll take the dog for a walk. All the parakeets were adopted and named by the residents. The use and need for psychotropic drugs for agitation dropped significantly to 38% of the previous level, and deaths fell 15%. What's going on there? No matter how old we are, we all need a purpose. We need to be about something. We have to have something that makes life meaningful. So I want to talk about Christianity because I think as our culture offers not a lot on the track of meaning, it's just kind of a smattering of things. I think Christianity is off track of culture a little bit and, and, and definitely offers something around purpose and significance, and I think it really matters, especially now, especially in 2020. And so Jesus talks about 
purpose and mission. And this is going to be aimed, what he says is aimed at his disciples, his followers for Christians. And that, that may not be everybody in this room, but that's probably a lot of you. And so, um, or if you're watching online, that may be you too. This is a mission and purpose statement given to us from Jesus about our lives, not just to the 12 guys that were following him around, but, but this is throughout history. This is what Christians have always thought their mission and purpose in life is in Matthew chapter 28, starting with verse 16, we'll put up on the screen. Let me read it to you. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let me give you some context. Jesus dies, resurrects, comes back from the grave, and he, and he meets, and this is his final, a final speech that he's giving that Matthew records, final speech that he's giving to his closest followers. Look, this is his, his la- dying last wish kind of, it's, it's that kind of thing, he's not dying, he's already di- dead and come back, but this is like, hey, I got one more thing to tell you, this is really, really important, no matter what, I don't want you to miss this. And he gathers with them, they're struggling, it says some of them had doubts, they're like, man, I don't know. Jesus comes to them and says, look, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, now, here's what I want you to do, I want you to go And as you are going, I want you to make disciples of all nations. I want you to tell other people about me and bring them to me, um, and and I will be in relationship with them. And then I want you to baptize them uh, as they give their lives to to me, and I want you to teach them to obey all that I have taught you. So all the things Jesus taught over the years, I want you to pass on to these people as you are making disciples of them. This is powerful. This changes the, the purpose of your life, the mission statement of your life. Your, your life is not to work a eight to five job and just do that for years and years and years and eventually retire and then you're done and then just go on vacations or whatever like that. that. That's all well and good, but Jesus says there's a mission that you are on now. There's something else going on with your life. Your life is about, according to Jesus, our lives, when you sign up to follow Jesus, your life is about making disciples, is being a disciple, a follower of Jesus, and then making others. So when you are a disciple, it's not a word we use a lot in our culture, think of it like an apprentice. You are following someone around in order to learn to do as they do. And so disciples of Jesus are people who are lifelong learners, who are apprentices, who are saying, I'm going to follow Jesus around, and I'm going to learn from him and try to become like him. And our mission then is to be those disciples, those lifelong learners, and to help other people be those disciples, to, to make disciples of, of, of all nations. This is why we go overseas. This is why we go across towns. This is why we, we, we do this, is to, to help people become disciples, to introduce people to Jesus, to baptize them, to teach them to obey. Uh, we are to be disciples who make disciples. It's, that's pretty simple. Uh, that is what Jesus asks of us. Now, there are some implications for this for our purpose. If your purpose is to make a lot of money in life, if you said that is your purpose, you're going to be disappointed when you don't or when money's taken away or when the stock market crashes. If your purpose is to be happy, you're going to be very disappointed in all those moments in life that isn't happy. If your purpose is set on so many other things, they are going to let you down. But Jesus is trying to give us something, a mission for life, that, that is meaningful that will, that, will actually, that will actually last. There's huge implications. If you think right now, today, my job is to make disciples, how does that affect how you feel about your, your nine to five? 
Well, it puts it in different perspective, right? It doesn't need to be everything because it isn't everything for you. If your job, if you believe your mission, your purpose is to make disciples, to be a disciple and make disciples, how does that make you feel about parenting? Well, it kind of changes the game there, right? How does that make you feel about marriage? Oh, I've got to find the one. Well, not necessarily because that's not necessarily what life is all about. How does that make you feel about career advancement? Oh, it's really good I got this promotion or I did or I didn't get that thing. All of those things, the perspective on all of that stuff changes when the purpose and meaning of your life changes, when you, when you recognize, hey, Jesus has me here for a purpose, and it's not just to accumulate all this other stuff. I'm not saying that none of those things matter. I'm saying we, we, being a disciple can put those other things in a, in a different place. And I think this is the most psychologically freeing concept, that we don't have to be wrapped around, did I get it everything I wanted in exactly the way I wanted it? And man, this year, 2020, um, this is an important idea. Are we getting everything we want? And, and how can we be free uh, of, of that? Uh, the economy tanks and people get sick and there's fires and there's murder hornets and there's, you know, there's, the, is my candidate going to get elected and all that kind of stuff. And, and through all of that, the question for disciples should be, Hey, no matter what happens, can I still follow Jesus? Can I still do it? And how? And how will that shift? And what do I need to do now? Because if we can answer that question, that, that, that's a question of meaning and purpose. And, 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 it can, and it can help us stay off track of what the rest of the culture is going to, to chase after. I think this is the, maybe the number one issue facing Christians and facing churches um, right now. Because to be a Christian in times of prosperity, to be a Christian when things are good, we can get lazy. Like historically, Christians, Jews, people throughout all history, they get lazy when times are good. When things are good, when there's no struggle, when there's no um, problem, there's no persecution, there's no pain, there's no stress points, uh, we can get very lazy in our faith and take God for granted. And this year, some of the things that we've counted on have been taken away. And now what do we do? Now what do we actually lean on? How can our faith grow and become more resilient in this? Because when it's easy, we don't need to pray. We don't need to read the Bible. We don't need to listen to God's spirit. We don't need to get together with other Christians when things are easy. You don't need to because if you don't do those things, it doesn't cost you anything. Nothing, nothing changes. But maybe when things are stripped away, we go, oh man, what, now what am I going to do? What, what do I have? If you take away everything from me and it's just me and God, what does that even look like anymore? We need to think about it. This is the question for us in churches, I think, is can we be actual disciples of Jesus now in, in when things are not good. Not just fans of Jesus, not people who show up for a concert or, or for a talk or something, but actual disciples. This is our purpose, to be disciples who make disciples in the world. This is what Jesus told us uh, that, that we should do. And, and to not get distracted because it's so easy to get distracted. The world is full of great opportunities. And that's, that's awesome. But sometimes great opportunities are just great opportunities to get off of your mission. They're just great opportunities to get distracted and get away from what your, your true purpose is. Now, not only does Jesus give us meaning in the sense that he gives us purpose, like a mission, something to do, but he also gives us meaning in the sense that he gives us something that's significant and it's tied to something greater than ourselves. The Apostle Paul 
near the end of his life, he writes a letter to his protege, a guy named Timothy. And in the second letter he writes to him, 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says this. I want to read this to you. He says, for I, he's described the end of his life. He says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul's looking at the end of his life, and he goes, the time of my departure has come. What's he talking about? Well, I'm dying. I'm going to die soon. I'm going to leave this earth. That's the way he's thinking of, of, of death is it's my departure. And he, and he talks about, uh, look, I've got, I've got faith. I've fought the good fight. What's the fight? We talked about it last week. Our struggle's not against flesh and blood, but against evil forces. He's like, I fought against that stuff throughout my life. I've run the race. I'm competing. I am, I am uh, in, a sense, in a sense, competing. I am, I am in this thing for the long haul. I am following Jesus. He is constantly, just in this little, little speech here he's giving to Timothy, he's pointing to something outside of himself and something greater than himself. And he says, look, when I die, I'm going to receive this crown of righteousness. Like, God's going to reward me on that day. He he sees a meaning and a significance in his life that is bigger than his circumstances. And he's pointing to, man, life is short. You know, I'm going to spend my time. This is all there is. But then there's something else coming, and I'm a part of that. He sees a significance to his life that's, that's, that's powerful. And this is important for us, I think, as Americans to recognize that significance comes from something outside of ourselves. We, we do not make ourselves significance or we do not discover our, you know, our, own, our own significance. It's very American to kind of personalize everything, right? You go into Starbucks and people have got like the triple shot, you know, no foam, extra hot, vanilla, you know, sugar-free vanilla latte, you know, that kind of thing. And we love to personalize everything, our car, our house, our, our families, you know, like everything gets like our own little touch and everything's uniquely shaped just for us. And, and some of that's marketing and consumerism and all that. But it's kind of our jam. We love to personalize everything. And, and, and we end up doing that with truth as well. We just, and we say things like, well, this is my truth. Well, that's your truth. Well, I've discovered my truth, and that's true for me. And, and every time someone says my truth, and I've got to be honest, maybe some of you have said that to me in the past, a little vomit comes up in my throat when people say it. So, uh, so just you know, full disclosure here, because I'm just like, oh, that is not what the word means. When you say truth, we're not talking about it's mine or yours. Truth is. It, it's just, it's, it's an objective like, there is truth. Now, you need to own it, for sure, and I need to own it. You need to internalize it and all that. I get that, but it's not yours or mine. It, it, it's just truth, you know? Gravity is not my truth. Gravity's truth, y'all, and I don't jump out the second-story window because of it because I'm going to live in light of that truth. It's not my truth. It'll be my truth if I jump out. <laughs> It'll be my truth quick. Like, truth has a way of creeping up on you, but I think the, but while that is true of gravity, I think it's true of other things as well. And when we start looking for things like significance and purpose, we're looking at some bigger stuff, and there are things to hold on to there that are true with a capital T. That isn't just something, oh, it's like my truth or, or your truth. No, there's, there's something big there. Because if, if truth is just something for you, here's the problem with that. It's not resilient. 
When pressure comes, that'll get, that'll get washed away. This is, what we're, this is what we're seeing in 2020. People who have a very shallow handhold are going to get washed away. They're going to get blown away. They're going to get knocked over when you're not standing on something solid and significant that is outside of yourselves. If you're setting up, um, it, 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 you're setting yourself up for disappointment when, when hard trouble when things come. Viktor Frankl discovered this. Viktor Frankl was a psychiatrist who lived through Auschwitz. And he wrote a book about it, Man's Search for Meaning. It's a really, it's not a very long book. It's a really powerful book about his experience in the concentration camp and how he viewed that as a psychiatrist. And he spent some time talking about the exact thing we're talking about. And, and he basically said the people who didn't survive the concentration camps were people who attached all their life significance to things outside of themselves that could be taken away. So if my significance of my life was my family, my career, those sorts of things, the, the people who, for them, career was everything, for them, family was everything, when the Nazis took those things away from them, those people collapsed and died. And he said the people that were able to endure and stand up under the extreme torture and, and punishment of the Nazi concentration camps were people who attached significance to something that was much more resilient and people who found a spiritual vigor inside them, a religious side inside of them that they didn't even know they had. And they were able to attach even and, and find meaning in their suffering in, in a way that would transcend the circumstances that they were in. They were able to attach it to something much greater and to something closer to um, God and, and, and his work in the world. And, and here's the thing, and here's what I want us to understand from this. Meaning and significance, it can't be self-determined. It can't just be, I, I just grab onto this, this, and this, and that's all it is. It has to be discovered. It has to be bigger than us. It's the only way we can have meaning that will help us endure the suffering. We all are going to suffer. Jesus never promises to take away the suffering. But for followers of Jesus, the suffering can actually count, and it can mean something, and it can drive us into a deeper faith. So what do we all do with that? Let me, let me just wrap up with this. I want to just give you two ideas, uh, and these are things I'm, I'm pretty passionate about, and I've just been thinking about and praying about what I would talk to you here today. Because this is actually a, a big Sunday for us, which I'll get to in just a second. But number one is this. Uh, get serious about discipleship. Get serious about being an apprentice of Jesus. Now that can look different in this room, right? That could be, maybe you haven't been baptized. That might be a first step. I need to give my life to Christ and be baptized. Maybe it's, I'm gonna get a reading plan. I'm gonna start reading through the scripture and understand. I'm just gonna read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John consistently and start reading what did Jesus do and say and how did he interact and I wanna follow after him. It could be praying regularly. It could be getting uh, together with others to pray regularly. It, it could be um, giving and serving and, and, and fasting and, and, and different things like that. It could be trying to get very intentional to read and understand and, and dial into God's Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. Like, we need to get serious uh, about that this year. Now, here's the deal. You've heard me say all that before. Um, I, you know, I can lay out some next steps and some ideas and say how oh, discipleship's where it's at. You, you've, you've probably heard that before. Um, but the truth is I feel a, a great responsibility here. When we started this church 12 years ago this weekend, we started this church, and we wanted to make a difference. We wanted to, to change culture. We wanted to 
We wanted to see marriages get healed. We wanted to see single people find community. We wanted to see teenagers navigate that hard time of life and, and come to know God in, in that phase. We wanted to see little kids learn about Jesus from, from the, as early as they can remember. We wanted to see empty nesters find community and, and, and find friends and family to connect with. We wanted to see widows be cared for. Like that's the kind of stuff that we were dreaming of, that, that we thought, what, what could Area 10 be in the city of Richmond? How could it, how could it do this? How could, we find, how could we find the people who are far from God and then point them to God and help them to be disciples and teach them to obey all that Jesus has commanded? That was the, that was the, the dream. But at the end of the day, all of that boils down to, you know, connect to God, find your people, and change the world. That's what, that's what we're doing here. And, and really, all of that, if we're going to boil that down, is this. Be a disciple who makes disciples. That's what we're doing. We want you to be a disciple who makes disciples. We, we want to be people who are serious about it. Yeah, I joke around a lot. Have you noticed? Maybe not in this sermon, but at other times. I joke around a lot. I, I, I want to enjoy life. I want us to enjoy our time. But sometimes, that's hard because Things aren't that enjoyable, you know? But even though I like to joke around and, and whatever, and I think a lot of people here do, I want us to be serious about this, that this is what life is, to be a disciple who makes disciples. I'm more committed to that now maybe than ever before. Um, I don't have the power to change you. I don't have enough clever words. I don't have enough eloquent speeches to give that move the needle in your heart. The Holy Spirit has to do that in you and, and, and move you. And I'm praying that he moves you and that he moves me. But for that work to happen, we need to get serious about discipleship. You can get a car and you can get an education, you can get a job and you can get a spouse, and you can get children and raise them up and go on vacation. You can do all of these things and you can entirely miss the point of what life is about, of what the meaning and purpose is for us being here. So let's get serious about the great commission of going into all the world and making disciples and teaching them to obey and being the people who obey. We'll talk about that more next week. And then, so that's number one, get serious about discipleship. Number two is this link up with others. We can't do this alone. We shouldn't do this alone. The aloneness of 2020 is maybe the worst part. I don't know. There's, 2020's got a lot of candidates for the worst part. But I'll, I'll, I'll put, I'll put the, the, the way we have, have become hermits, the, the way we psychologically just... Com- from a community standpoint, what, what does it look like to um, physically distance and then, and then socially distance as well, um, to, to be so fractured, to be so scattered? Like, that's not good for us. The Lord said that. It is not good for man to be alone. It's the first, it's the first comment God makes about something being not good in the world. Oh, it's not good for man to be alone. Um, and so we need to link up with others. There was a women's retreat that happened here this weekend, Area 10. Woo. Uh, and I wasn't there, but uh, woo. 
Uh, but the reason we do things like that, the reason that happened is we want women to connect with other women. We did a men's retreat a while back because we want the same thing, women to connect with men. We want people to find their people to connect, to know that you're not alone because all of this is hard. Life is hard. Discipleship is hard. And we want to give you opportunities to connect so that you're not doing it by yourself. But we could, we could spread out the buffet of opportunities and if you don't pick up a fork and go get something on your plate, you're, not gonna, you're gonna miss it. We're, we're starting small groups. We'll launch small groups starting next Sunday. We have groups that are going to meet in people's homes throughout the week. It's not a social club, but we do want you to meet people. And we want you to do this discipleship journey so you're not alone. We want you to have people you can pray with, that you can meet with, that you can know. And if right now, if you're like, I don't want to meet in somebody's home, okay, we'll do some outside. We'll do, we're going to do a fire pit thing over here at our property at 2810 for people just to drop in and, and talk about the issues of the day and kind of work through stuff. We'll do fire pits. We'll do, uh, you know, we got a group that's doing cycling. We got a group that's doing yoga. We got different things happening. We're trying to come up with any way we can so that you can get connected and, and plug in. Um, but it, it, at the end of the day, that's got to come from in you. You got to go like, I, I want that and I'm going to go pursue that, because um, we want to help you find, find your people. I think this is needed more than ever, because um, we're trying to live lives of meaning and purpose and significance, and we're living in a culture that will scream at you regularly and tell you that you're all wrong, and it's all something else, and you should be, you should be about this, or about this cause, or about this thing in the news cycle. And it's I, I want to surround myself with a community of people who are committed to keeping our heads on straight while the rest of the world is losing theirs. And so um, link, link up with others here. The opportunities are there. Sign up today for a small group. Um, those start next week. Um, you know, we'll, we'll let you know about the fire pit nights and different things. We're going to do some classes coming up in October. Just take advantage of the opportunities that are there and, and connect up with others so that we can pursue meaning together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, I thank you for giving us purpose, for giving us a mission, for not leaving us aimless and just wandering our time here on earth. You've given us meaning, uh, that, that we're able to be a part of something meaningful, and you've given us significance that we are able to attach to something that is much greater than us, and we are able to attach to a mission where um, we can learn to be resilient and, and handle whatever suffering or hardships come our way. Thank you for that, Lord. Um, that you didn't just leave us here to figure it out, but you gave us guidance on this. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.